0: This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm.
1: Youth baseball talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Check out theropetrainer.com today. Special thanks, as always, to my good friend Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, and, of course, John Smoltz for their continued support of Youth Baseball Talk. They're trying to help all these young arms out there, folks, so check them out, theropetrainer.com. It'll make a difference in your youngster's life. <clears throat> um, excited about doing today's show. i um, I've been a part of some conversations lately that um, had me thinking about today's topic. So um, after having numerous conversations, I thought it'd be an interesting thing just to talk about on the show today and give you my opinion. Um, I like uh, I like to discuss this one only because I find this one hard to um, I find this one hard to what's the word I'm looking for here? I find this one hard to disagree with, but I also find it interesting that while it's a topic that it wouldn't be like prude to disagree with because it makes way too much sense but there are ways to make excuses for why you don't follow along these the 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 line of thinking when it comes to this topic, and that is um, kids playing multiple sports um I've said that numerous times when I have this conversation that I think kids playing multiple sports is, like, majorly important. It, to me, though, it goes beyond the, how it affects their, quote-unquote, primary sport, okay? Like I said, terminology, when it comes to some of these things, becomes paramount, right? How we look at these things, how we view them, how we go about them. It's it's always interesting to me. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes right down to it, um, we describe things in a way that allows us to get our point across to some degree, especially if we feel like we have to defend ourselves. No, nothing more than this topic brings that defense out of people than when they feel like they have to defend why their kid doesn't play multiple sports. And I say all the time, this isn't something you have to defend. This is something that lends itself to a, a conversation of, the why okay so now as you look at this for me and again this is just me talking but i don't think there's any doubt that multiple sports allows a kid to become a better athlete i think we lose sight of the fact that athletes play some of the best baseball players i know don't sometimes look or do some of the things that the guys that are robotically trained to play baseball do but they're just better because they're better athletes. And I think some people want to argue that point. You can argue it all day long, okay? But the truth of the matter is is I've watched guys with beautiful swings and beautiful pitching mechanics and beautiful fielding mechanics. I've watched them be able to do all these beautiful things, but then when it comes time to play the game, for some reason they don't play the game at a high level. But you watch this athlete who, you know, eh, you know, I don't know that he can play at the next level because he's got it. You know, he swings and misses quite a bit, or you know what, he makes a few errors here or there. Man, he throws really hard, but he struggles to throw a strike. Well, let me tell you something: most of those kids, when they figure it out, are are just better. (laughs) Whether you want to admit that or not, but it is the truth. Now, there's a variety of reasons for how and the why a kid becomes a better athlete than another kid. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, can you? You know, that's another topic for another day. Can you build a better athlete? Um, that's a uh, that's a that's a interesting topic, only because um, I think what's funny about it is, um, it's a chicken and egg thing. Like, if you take a kid who has like this, let's face it. Sometimes you have athletic ability, and then you give somebody the ability to. You give somebody the ability to, um, like, grow that athletic ability. Okay, well, now you're talking about another topic because you're already taking a kid that's a good athlete and you're enhancing his athletic ability. But for the average kid, if he played more sports, would that allow him to become more athletic? I would argue that it does. But I'll also say this, and here's why it's not an, it's not an easy thing to, 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 to say. There are kids that just are not athletic that can play all the multiple sports they want, and they're never going to be great athletes. So again, I like to use this term a lot. Is it a chicken or an egg thing? I don't know that this is necessarily a chicken or an egg argument because there are no guarantees when it comes to this. You know, there's a a variety of things that go on, but you see guys sometimes that you think are not great athletes and they find a way to get it done and then you, you you see them move on and move up and the way they do things. Well, that lends itself to The variety of things that go into growth within a game or growth within becoming a bigger part of a team because of what you bring to the table. But when you're young and you're playing and you're trying to get better, athleticism means a lot. Now, for this discussion, it's all about should we encourage kids to do it? I think the answer is clearly yes. But here's the but but the angle that I'm going to approach this from is not just about baseball. It's not just about Will it help you be a better baseball player? So I'm interested to have this conversation with you guys today, talk a little bit about the hows and whys and what I believe it to be. And then I'm always curious to get your guys' thoughts on this topic as well, because it, this is a topic that affects, us, that affects each and every one of us. And I can tell you that I could talk to a thousand people, which I will on this, I'm sure, over the next 10 days, because that's what will happen. I'll get a different answer from a thousand people, but they all really are kind of about the same. So I'm I'm real interested to see how this goes. I want to thank uh, lineupmedia.fm for their continued support. Um, here we are Youth Baseball Talk. Again, you can learn more about us by going to youthbaseballtalk.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the show. It's free. We would appreciate that. You can do your shopping at Amazon and help us uh, continue to keep the show on the air by simply clicking the Amazon button. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, you're done with us. Once you've, once you've done it, it, again, you go right to Amazon. We get a small referral. doesn't cost you anything. helps us with our producers, Brian Crockett and Andrew Allen, who do so much for us behind the scenes. Again, the the main thing people do, though, at youthbaseballtalk.com is go back and listen to our catalog from the very first time we ever started the show, almost like a binge w- listening through Netflix. Thank you. We're glad that you like our content. And, again, we've been blessed to have some of the most amazing people a part of the show. Um, you know, for me uh, – I can tell you that social media has been a blessing for us, at Podcast Baseball on Twitter. If you're involved in this wonderful game and you follow us, we're going to follow you back because we're interested in what you have to say. Same thing on Facebook. Find us, Youth Baseball Talk, like our Facebook page. You can click invite your friends. Anybody that you know that's involved in this wonderful game, please invite them to like our page as well. Instagram, Youth Baseball Talk as well. Uh, Social media is a great tool for us. And, again, uh, we thank everybody that follows us and joins in on on the conversations. Uh, I mentioned lineupmedia.fm. They're the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet, but now they're the home of Yo! Radio, the internet uh, streaming platform. You guys are going to want to download it. It's free. Um, They've got amazing things happening in the future. I would encourage everybody to go to the App Store and download Yo! Radio. You're going to enjoy it, folks, really. Check it out today. Um, Can't thank uh, the people that that make this show go more. Uh, I, I just can't thank them for their continued support. And, of course, You know, it always starts with Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, John Smoltz, and all the gang at The Rope Trainer. That's theropetrainer.com. Each and every week they bring us The Rope Report, which is done by my good friend and yours, Kirk McNabb from Dirtbag Baseball Nation. I would highly encourage everybody to check out Kirk and everything that he does. That's Kirk McNabb, Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Let's see what he has for us this week on The Rope Report.
1: Jim, i got to get this out of my chest right now before I lose my mind. I can't believe how players and parents fall into this trap every single time. I hear it day in, day out. If you're a player or a parent who thinks going to a training facility or a camp to get a quick fix is going to turn you into the player that you want to be, I'm here to tell you right now: wake up and stop wasting your hard-earned money. Quick fixes are not sustainable without having the right mindset. If you're a player or a parent who gets what I'm saying, I still want you to keep listening to this, but more importantly. Share it with players and parents that you know that are out there living life that way. If this happens to be you, I'm telling you right now, you're never going to be satisfied with anything in baseball or life if you continue to live this way. These are impulse reactions and result in short-term enjoyment or satisfaction. You're always going to be looking for the next quick fix to satisfy your rush. I am telling you though, right now, You do have, or you don't have to live your life that way. If we can get you thinking the right way, then everything you do moving forward will be exciting, fun, rewarding, and successful. Getting your mind right is not nearly as hard as you believe it is. We just need to help you learn how to think your way through pitching, catching, hitting, defense, or offense. We can do it all our players get this training ingrained we get it and we ingrain it into your mind you're going to be able to have success at all the areas of your life and not just your baseball you'll wake up ready to attack the day with a dirtbag mentality that's unstoppable if you don't remember the requirements necessary to truly be self-confident then i'm going to remind you again what they are right now now here we go No matter what you're doing in regards to baseball or life, you have to have these components. One, everything starts with self-motivation. Self-motivation. If you don't have that self-motivation and you need to be motivated, you're already beat. If you have self-motivation then we can move on to requirement number two. And that is becoming self-aware. Having self-awareness. Now, The people who get involved in this part of the process, such as us, to help build your self-awareness, that's all the people that are going to be in your trust network. Parents, grandparents, friends, some will be in, some won't be, okay? But without these components, you're going to be lost in the world of what we call roller coaster confidence. One moment you're up, and the next you're down. And what's really bad about living this way is that it attacks your self-esteem along with your self-confidence. I see it and work with players every single day, helping them correct this problem in order to let them find out what's truly inside of them. This program is an ongoing program for our customers because we know that there's always going to be different challenges in front of you. Our job is to help you navigate through them in a common-sense approach that makes you feel empowered and truly self-confident. No quick fixes here, Dirtbags. You know it. We're always an email or phone call away from getting your mind right to take complete control of your baseball career, but we can't send the email or make the call for you. That's the self-motivation that you have to have. If you are self-motivated, then you're going to do what's right for you. Our email is info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. There it is. Our email is info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. And you can ask for me, Kirk McNabb. You can ask for Braden McNabb. Or you can ask for Nola McNabb. And we're going to guarantee you we'll reply. And we will start the process of getting your mind right. And helping you with your baseball journey right now. Now... It's the same as I tell people who are interested in getting the rope trainer or have already got one. Yeah, the rope trainer is going to help you and you know John Smoltz promotes it and Chris Berna. It's got all the qualities and the characteristics of being a proven and tried and true training aid. And it's going to help you warm up properly and efficiently. It's going to force you to throw with your entire body. It's not just for pitchers. It's for every player and every player should have one in their bag. But just because you have one doesn't mean you're better. You'll need to use it daily and you're going to feel the difference as well as be a better player. It's not a quick fix training tool. It's not just all of a sudden I buy it and okay, I'm a pitcher or I'm a better player. No, it doesn't work that way. It comes right back to becoming self-motivated with it and then becoming aware of how it helps you every day. All right, It's your lifelong throwing buddy. It'll help you, but you have to be self motivated again. Okay? It's your choice, dirtbags. Do you want the quick fix with the roller coaster confidence result or the lifelong self confident results? I'm Kirk McNabb, and as always, I want to thank each and every one of you personally for listening in to Youth Baseball Talk and the Rope Report each and every week. Keep sending those highlights of what's happening to you personally questions that you may have, or simply the thank you notes. It's what drives us to keep going and keep being the best for all of you. Remember, you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. And until next week, Dirtbags, it's time to get up, get after it, and get dirty.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate all your continued support. Again, that's theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Special thanks again to Kurt McNabb and his continued contributions to Youth Baseball Talk. He's a tremendous dude. We appreciate it greatly. Um, As we talk about this topic, again, is it a chicken and egg thing? I don't know. Does it start at a really young age? It can. But here's the thing. It's, it's, it's a different conversation for everybody involved, and I think everybody always has a different story, right, as to uh, the hows and whys, right? Like, okay, how did your – so let's say you look back on it and say, how did my kid become a, quote, unquote, one-sport athlete? How did it happen? Well, there's a variety of reasons for why it happens. A kid decides he doesn't like um, other sports. Um, why does he not – but see, here's the thing. Why does he not like those other sports? You know, what, what was the reason? Did we let you know, did, oh, well, I wasn't very good. So I just quit. Oh, I didn't like it. Well, okay. I, listen, I'm not advocating for anybody to do anything they don't like to do, but typically when it comes to youth sports, if they're done correctly, you know, if they enjoy them, they should be fun. Now, again, this is a whole nother conversation, but the truth of the matter is, did we, um, you know, did we make it not any fun because they weren't the best player? Were we hard? You know, there's a variety of reasons why a kid sometimes doesn't enjoy a particular sport. Now, we can get into that conversation all day long, but for the sake of this discussion, let's just say that at some juncture, a kid has tried sports and he just didn't like them and he settled on this one sport that he really enjoyed. I think that happens very typically. I do. I think it. I, I think it's just as likely for that to happen as it is as it is for me to meet a kid that. Hangs out and runs around with the same eight or nine kids, and those kids all seem to play baseball, basketball together, soccer together. They all play on the same team. They're all best buddies, and they do all this, and they have the time of their life. So I think it goes a variety of ways, and it sometimes depends on your situation. It depends on your demographic, depends on, you know, like, of course, your community and, and how it's all set up. There's a variety of reasons for this. But what I can tell you that is this if there's some way for you to encourage a young child to play multiple sports, my argument will be to do so. And again, for this conversation, it seems like we're doing it because we're talking about the, the multiple sports being able to assist a a player become a better baseball player, right? Like I've said a 100 times over, and this is an opinion. I don't have any. I, I personally have nothing to back up this statement, but I, from what I've seen, I think football is a great secondary sport for baseball, if you want to call it that, okay? It can be either way. It can be their primary. But I think football players make good baseball players because, man, football – and I'm sorry we can argue about this all day long. Football just toughens you up. And baseball is a sport that will beat you down, okay? I like that about football. It gives you a toughness. It gives you an emotional toughness. It makes you – it makes you, in my opinion, able to handle adversity and things like that. That's just what I see, okay? I've seen it myself. Now, again, does that mean that that applies to every single person? No, it does not. So we, let's face it, folks, for this conversation, we need to have a little common sense involved in this discussion. But when it comes right down to it, as we look at all these sports and their relationship to baseball, my thing is this. And, again, this doesn't even lend itself to the whole how does it help you with baseball. My thing is this. Why wouldn't you want a kid to play as many sports as possible when they're young if they enjoy sports, okay, if they seem to enjoy it, if they seem to want to do it, for the simple fact of how the heck do you know what a 7 or 8 or 9 or 10-year-old kid eventually is going to fall in love with? Why do we set their path for them sometimes? And that's really what I'm going after today because the truth of the matter is, guys, I'm sorry, but we do that as parents. And when I say we, I mean we, yours included. We make decisions for him sometimes because of what we see. Oh, you know, I kind of pushed him away from that because I thought it was silly or, I did, you know, he didn't realize it. But he just wasn't very good or, you know, this or that. Now, there's other things that come in play sometimes. You know what? We just couldn't do it. Couldn't afford it. It was a dedication of time and resources that we just couldn't do. Listen, there are hard decisions that are involved in this, so sometimes it's not always as simple as it seems. So there's a variety of reasons. I've said since day one when it comes to baseball, when you make a decision to do something with this, it has to be a family unit decision because it is a family commitment. For for one kid to play select baseball, if that's the term you guys use, travel, select, program, whatever you want to call it, that should be a family decision because it's a family commitment, I promise you. Let's face it, 10-year-old kids don't drive themselves all over. 10-year-old kids don't know how to schedule training. 10-year-old kids don't, Let's. they don't, they, all the things that come with it, 10-year-old kids don't do. The only thing the 10-year-old kid does is show up and participate. That's what, the, that's what a 10-year-old kid does, right? So it falls back on mom and dad a lot, okay? So yes, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, uncles, friends, carpools. And then it affects the other siblings in the family because, well, we can't do this because we're already doing this. and I mean, it's a long, drawn-out thing, right? We've talked about that on the show before. But when it comes right down to it, if a kid says, hey, you know, I want to do this, and, and you, know, you know, almost like, hey, you know, I know that I'm, you know, I'm a pretty good baseball player, but I really love to play basketball. Well, I don't know if we, you know, we should be focusing on baseball in the winter and getting better because that's when you get better. Okay, I, I, I agree with that to some degree, but the kid wants to play basketball. How do you tell a kid no? Don't go do something athletic that you want to do? It's a tough call, right? Now, again, too, I we've all seen kids that's, that played baseball for eight straight years and then all of a sudden they just don't like it anymore. Right? How many times do we say a kid, if he's going to play one sport, especially at a young age, he needs to go get some athletic training. Well, why does he need athletic training? Well, he needs athletic training because he's not out running and cutting and cutting back and changing directions and doing all this stuff that you do in what sports, that you do a lot of in soccer, that you do have a lot in basketball. You know, he's not using different parts of his body to help his body grow. I mean, there's a, listen, there's all kinds of positive things that come from playing multiple sports, Right. There's effort. There's energy. There's learning. There's being around other kids. There's being social. There's being coachable. There's a variety of th- there's having fun. There's so many things that come along with playing multiple sports. So I guess at the end of the day, the topic of my conversation isn't so much about the playing of the multiple sports. It's more about why do we discourage it? And yes, we do sometimes. I love the I love the coach. the the, the video I see of the coach turning around and addressing the players and saying that he he, you know, Every one of you should, your kid should be playing multiple sports and you should be doing this and how wrong it is and all this kind of stuff. But yet he's the same coach that half his baseball team plays one sport. Probably most of his starters. You know, condemning people because their kid played one sport. When you're benefiting from it to some degree. You know, I'm not going to condemn. Listen, that's the thing. Okay, I'm not going to condemn anybody for this. I don't know your situation. But what I am saying is this. If you have a young kid and you are pushing him into a solo sport thing and you're doing it because, and this is the, this is the, the meat of the conversation, here it is, the, the million-dollar drop, because the words have come out of your mouth, we don't want to get left behind, well, then you need to reevaluate. That's just not true. I, I, I disagree with that statement. I disagree with that statement. I don't know anybody. I, I personally have not seen anybody at 10 or 11 years old get left behind because they didn't quit playing basketball to be a baseball player or they didn't quit playing football to be a baseball player. Here's the thing. That decision is coming at some juncture for that kid. I don't know when it is. A lot of it depends on where you're at. I know this. We live in a town that it's really hard to play three sports in high school. Almost nobody does it. The funny thing is, is like we sit around as parents and try to figure out why they don't. And we come up with all these different scenarios and situations for the why. You know, well. You know, it's funny, this kid was a good baseball player, but while he was off playing basketball, and basketball season here is really grueling because it's a big school and they're they're routinely very good and routinely go deep into the playoffs and, and the practices are long and it's really hard to, to practice and go to school and basketball. I mean, it's not like, hey, after school every day, we're going to practice for an hour and a half. I mean, they're grueling long practices that are taxing and – they practice on the weekends, and they, you know, they they do all this stuff, and it's like, well, when are you going to go get your throwing in? When are you going to get your hitting? And it's not so much that, well, I couldn't do that, but the problem is, is while that kid was doing what he loved in the in the winter, there was a huge number of kids that weren't doing anything but trying to get better at baseball and preparing themselves for a baseball season. Now, the net result is you can't you can't condemn those kids because they. Dedicated themselves to getting better In the end, at a school like this The best players are going to play <clears throat> So it's interesting The last real three-sport athlete I, To me, three, the three-sport athlete is Again, because I'm talking about it In the, in the, the, the realm of goals To me, it's, it's football, basketball, baseball Now the people will go Well, Jim, I think you're discounting golf Or whatever, and, and I'm going to tell you I've seen a kid play golf, basketball, and baseball and be pretty good. He was an unbelievable athlete. Unbelievable. Unbelievable athlete. But there's a reason you just don't see it very much. You know? I cannot remember in our town the last time I saw a kid start varsity football and baseball in this town. I can't remember it. I haven't seen it. I really haven't. I've seen some soccer players play baseball. They take the fall off of baseball and play soccer, which I think is a good thing. Give the kid a break and a rest, number one. I've seen that. And then that enables them over the winter to to prepare for baseball season. I think that's pretty logical. It surprises me there aren't more kids that are good football players in our town that play baseball. Some of them play basketball. I don't. there aren't really any and it's kind of surprising there are a few when they're younger when they're freshmen now I'm going to say this out loud I don't know this to be true from the horse's mouth because my kids didn't play football but from what I understand the football players are encouraged to wrestle and run track I'm not saying anybody tells them they quote unquote have to but I understand that they are encouraged to Oh, you're going to be a football player. You got to get faster. You need to be more mobile. You're not going to get faster and more mobile playing baseball. It's an interesting thing. So we even talk about this topic of the role the parents play in it from a young age. But then what happens when the coaches get involved at your high school scenario? Now, what's interesting to me is I find this one great. When you go to the small school setting, it's absolutely the other way. Now, is that a simple numbers thing? I know small schools that are near us, and they say, shoot, we need those kids. We know who the – quote and this is what they say. We know who the athletes are. We need those kids. And those kids in those schools, it's, it reminds me of when I was young. The best players, they played football, and then when football season was over, they went and played basketball, and when basketball season was over, they went and played baseball. just the way it was and what's interesting about that is, is when I was in high school and this is why you know people say well it's the number of kids it's all this I can tell you this the high school I went to had the same number of kids in it the one that I that my kids go to now had in it and yet when I was in high school there were a few kids that were just really good athletes I mean they were top I mean you know there's and I still know them to this day there's at least a couple there's two of them for sure unbelievable athletes unbelievable and they played all three sports and let me tell you something they were the best players on the field in all three sports now i say this all the time there are certain people out there that you can walk up to and hand them a croquet set and then go what the heck is this and you come back an hour later and they're professional croquet players you throw them in a swimming pool and they've never swum never swam before and you know now they're breaking records in the hundred i mean listen that's a, that is just a, that's a gift like anything else in life. And listen, it's a gift like being really intelligent for a kid that just his whole life has understood math to its fullest extent and thrives on it and is great at it. This isn't just an athletic thing. This is we as people are different. Everybody's different, right, And how they, they react. And like I said, when it comes right down to it, the, the conversation today is this, and this is really how I'll leave it. I certainly hope you as the adult, you as the parent, you as the coach, you as the trainer are not encouraging a child not to do other things. Of course, my opinion is flawed. Of course, my opinion is personal, but I think it's wrong now. Again, I tell you this because it happens every week. I'm going to get a whole bunch of people that are going to want to have a conversation with me about this. And everybody's going to sell me on their situation. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's fine. And you're not going to get an argument from me because I promise you your situation is different than his and hers and his and and hers and hers and hers and his. And that's fine. I've been in that situation, too. I'm no different than you. But I look back on it, and I encouraged my kids at a young age to try all kinds of different sports. And what's funny is my topic of conversation today was more about the way that it helps them become better at other sports. I've talked a lot about athleticism today. But every one of my kids has asked me at some juncture, why would you have me play so many different – why would you have me do so much stuff? And I'm going to tell you another thing, too. It wasn't just sports. It was, other, it was a couple other things, too, that were non-sports related. And my, and my two older ones have asked me. My daughter has not yet. She's not at that age. But my two older boys asked me, well, you had us do a lot of stuff when we were younger, and some of it I liked, some I didn't like. How come? And I tell them all the time, because I wanted you to find out what you liked. I wanted you to try different things and see if there was something you fell in love with, to see if there was something that, that turned out to be good for you emotionally and physically, to see if there was something that, that, that grabbed your attention. Um, I liked the fact that you were involved in things and it made you care and it made you want to do there's a variety of reasons for doing it and they're not always just about to build the bigger better athlete the bigger better kid but so that's you know that's where I'm coming from on this today is there a is there a direct reflection and is there a, is it a is it a thing that assists well sure it does I believe that I've seen it But what's funny is, is it's not a guarantee. I've said it a hundred times. I've watched kids play multiple sports and they're just not athletic and they just don't ever become athletic. Now, what I will say is this. If you take a kid who's not a great athlete and the more he does, can he become more athletic? Yes. Will he ever be a great athlete? I don't, I, I don't believe so. That's just from what I've seen. But again, what are we really talking about here? Okay, this isn't like, this isn't like, you know, Nazi Germany where we're trying to build a, a, a we're trying to build a premier species here. OK, if a kid comes to me and needs help and, and we're hitting, he may not have the ability that this other kid does. He may never be what this other kid is, but this kid wants to be the best he can be. So what's wrong with that? So if some kid who's never going to be a top athlete wants to be a better athlete and be as good as he can be, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with giving him the same opportunities, if you can, to be the best athlete he can be, to be the best competitor he can be, to be the best teammate he can be, to be the best kid he can be? There's nothing wrong with that. I say it all the time. The number one complaint people have about travel and select and program baseball is, well, look at this program. It's a money grab. Well, listen, number one, all things operate on money. So let's just get that out of the way, right? Nobody works for free. I don't work for free. Do you? Last time I checked, every one of you out there go to work somewhere and you take a paycheck. So anybody that you're paying to be be associated with your son or daughter when it comes to a sport, you're paying them because that's what they do. OK, it's what they do. So you're paying for it. OK, you don't go somewhere and pay for your kid to play baseball because you because you, you pay. You better not be paying because you think you're going to this person can make your kid Cal Ripken. Let me assure you, as I sit here today, the only person that can make your kid be the next Cal Ripken is your kid. These people, if he has that talent, he has that ability, he has all the other things that go with it. They can help him get there, but they can't make somebody something they're not. And if you think that's what you're paying for, then you're wasting your money. But it's not a money grab. It's a money grab if that's how you go at it. If you allow yourself to be falsely. to If you allow yourself to falsely believe. That there are guarantees when it comes to any of this, then shame on you, not shame on them. It's what they do. If anybody's worth their salt, they better not be telling you. We make pro athletes. Well, that's just dumb. If You know, uh, the people that I know that do this say, listen, if you bring your son or daughter over here and they try out and we think they're good enough, we're going to put them on a team and we're going to help them get better and we're going to teach them how to play. We're going to teach them to be a good kid. We're going to da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's how you should judge an organization. That's how you should judge a coach. That's how you should judge athletic trainers. Did they help my kid? Not did my kid become a stud. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's it at the end of the day. And listen, where does it start? In my opinion, you're going to learn a lot about your son or daughter when they're young. How much do they love it? How much do they love playing other sports? You know, how easy is it for them to pick things up? Do they enjoy it? Are they competitive? What are they learning through all this? Are they learning to be a good kid, a good teammate, a good person? Do they love the competitiveness? Does it keep them active? There's, a, there's so many things that go with this. The playing multiple sports things is always an interesting topic because it's that one statement I said before, and I'll say it one last time. If you've ever said, I I feel like we're getting left behind or I'm scared that we're getting left behind, you need to do some real research into it. Because here's the thing. While I'm sitting here and saying that it's a silly statement, I also understand it because I felt that way. So as silly as it may be, I also understand it. And I'm saying it's almost like, I guess in some ways what I'm saying is there's a better way, and things aren't always as they seem. I will say this. If you feel like, and and this is a very broad statement, and this one's probably going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to say this. If your kid plays baseball and your thought process is, I don't know that I can let him play basketball because he's going to get left behind in baseball, then he's probably not as good a baseball player as you think he is. I'm not going to say that that statement applies to 100% of the people, but I bet you it applies to a lot. I bet it I bet it applies to a higher percentage than you would imagine. And again, I am telling you that as they get older, and when I say older when they get into high school, for some of these kids that are really special and have unbelievable opportunities, yes, playing multiple sports may become an issue. It only becomes an issue because of what they're trying to achieve right hey listen you don't have to take my word for it just watch a major league baseball game how many guys that are playing major league? now i will say this though that number goes up a little more every year but i was just going to say how many guys can you go talk to that play major league baseball that won't tell you they played multiple sports in high school a lot of them now i will say that as our as our The way things are going or changing. It is becoming less. But it's not as much as you would think. Athletes play, folks. We have to allow our kids to become better athletes. We certainly don't want to hinder it. I will say that. And that's why it comes back to, as I said, the last thing I would want to do is discourage any kid from playing multiple sports. So I hope you're not doing that. But, again, I know there are people that are. I know that there are people that are going to contact me and say, I am, Jim, but here's why. Let me explain to you my situation and let me give you my thoughts on it. And I'm going to listen to them and I'm and I'm happy to have a conversation with you about it and get and You're right. Some your situation may be completely different than somebody else's. I just have a hard time believing that it's not a good idea for a kid to play multiple sports if he has the opportunity to do so. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Again, I'm looking forward to your guys' uh, feedback on it as, a, as I love doing it. And, again, you can do that through any of our social media outlets, as I mentioned before, um, at Podcast Baseball on Twitter, Youth Baseball Talk on, on uh, Facebook. Contact me through either one. I love the conversations. They mean a lot to me. And, again, they help shape the show. So thank you for everybody that does that. Um, Want to get into uh, our remaining segments here with our great contributors that mean so much to the show. Again, uh, Dirk Dombrowski and the gang at PrecisionImpact.ca have done just uh, uh, a tremendous job of helping us increase the content in our show. Uh, people, you know, they ask me all the time about how we get you know, associated with some of these guys. And the truth of the matter is I've just had the benefit of meeting great people through this whole thing. Um, some of the stuff that PrecisionImpact.ca, some of the things that you can get there. Remember, they deliver the equipment and training that you need to win. It comes right to your doorstep at a price that you can afford. Uh, if you join their VIP club, you can get insider training tips and special discounts. Um, you know, hitting and fielding is where it's at when it comes to baseball. Hitting is one of the core fundamentals of baseball, so getting as much hitting practice as possible is important. Remember, unfortunately, though, sometimes they're safety or space issues which prevent regular hitting practice. Fortunately, there are slugs and squishies, flex balls. They're great for practicing in areas where baseballs would be unsafe to do so. That's my favorite product that they have. I know that I see them all the time. If you want to get them, precisionimpact.ca, check them out. Again, I appreciate everything they do for our show, and I know you guys are enjoying their segments here each and every week. Let's hear one now, precisionimpact.ca, tip of the week.
3: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Precision Impact. My name is Dirk, and on today's Precision Impact rundown, we're going to talk a little bit about something I've touched on before, uh, which is body language. I know uh, I've touched on this and, and mentioned the importance of it, but today I just wanted to talk a little bit deeper into it as a, as a result of having you know a couple of issues over the last couple of weeks with some of my own players. Um, and so I've, I've tried to try to explain not only to a group but as, to each individual player on the team the importance. Of body language, not only you know in the heat of the moment, um, in terms of the, in the umpire's eyes, or even in the eyes of your opponents, um, and definitely in the eyes of you know coaches who are potentially watching you during games and stuff like that. But I wanna I wanted to reiterate and probably go into a little bit more details the importance of it amongst your own teammates. Um, I've had a few issues recently with some players that I've had to sort of explain the importance of body language and the role it plays within your own team, and amongst your own teammates, and stuff like that, and so there had been a video that I'd sent to a few players, uh, and it was from the Alabama-Arizona game, and it was a women's um, World Series, 2009, Um, fourth inning, two outs, bases loaded, down by two, and Alabama pinch hits their All-American Brittany Rogers, Um, this video is going to be really easy to find if you guys Google it, and... They pinch hit their all American Britney Rogers for a freshman, Jocelyn Lunsford. Um and and Normally, under circumstances like that, you would expect that the All-American who just got pinch hit four to be sitting on the bench or a little bit upset, wanting to be in that situation. Bases were loaded, two out, and they were down by two. You know, you would think that the All-American who had gotten them there to the 2009 World Series would want that opportunity. But, you know, this was a really neat video because it showed what a true teammate really is and... um, uh, the All-American, Brittany Rogers, was on the top step, literally screaming her face off, cheering on the freshman who had just pinch hit for her. And that is just something totally unexpected that you just don't see very much these days. And that's why this video stuck out, and that's why it's actually as popular as it is. So I had sent it to a couple of my players just to remind them of, in a situation like that, don't, don't take it as a negative, right? If you're seriously concerned and your main concern and priority is the team being successful, you have to remove yourself from that equation. You have to remind yourself that, you know, you are not better than the team. You are, you are not more important than the team, that the team comes first. And then if, you know, the coach decides to pinch hit somebody for you, you know, when the, when a, when a situation is really in need of something to happen, you know, just, just accept that and cheer on and, and, you know, really cheer on the person in your spot. I have no doubt that Jaslyn Lunsford felt better at the plate knowing that the All-American that she had just pinch hit for, Brittany Rogers, was cheering her on. There's no doubt that she was more relaxed and felt more confident and less pressure, right? She probably felt the only pressure she felt was possibly from the other team and not from her own teammates, putting that pressure on her to make her do something because she was switching or pinch hitting for Brittany Rogers. So I think it's really important that you make aware to your teammates and to your players, that the team comes first and the coach's decisions are, you know, no doubt um, the decisions of the coach. They shouldn't be impacted or reflected by the players themselves. Um, and these days I just see too many players, you know, thinking that, you know, maybe they'd done something wrong or maybe, you know, they're not good enough for that situation. Sometimes the situation just calls for something unique. Some, you know, maybe some fresh blood, a different set of eyes, something like that. It's very important that the players just accept the decisions, move on, elicit really good body language and cheer on their teammates who are in the game and who can make a significance at that moment. Um, I sometimes challenge players instead of, you know, getting too mad at them or, you know, trying to just constantly, constantly look back in the dugout and try and get the dugout going again. I'll sort of set an example and, you know, whether it be send a guy up in the stands and have him sit for an inning and and make him reflect on maybe why is he there in the first place. And as he comes back down, I'll chat with him again and say, "Do do you know maybe why I sent you out, right? And, you know, hopefully they get the message, right, with without necessarily having to send them send them home or anything like that or without having to bench them its body language is so important there are so many players these days that can hit and throw and field and catch a fly ball and can um, do all these things, but I think body language and, and character play such a huge role. You're seeing it more and more in TV interviews from college coaches who are talking about that the big thing that they're looking for when they go to high school games, high school basketball games, high school baseball games, high school football games, they're looking for the body language of the people that are either, A, playing, definitely, um, or the, definitely the people who are not playing as well. What are the people on the bench doing? Are they doing everything they can to get into the game? Is the pitcher on the mound eliciting terrible body language when a bad strike call is called? Are the people at the plate who are getting rung up on you know, potentially bad pitches walking with their head down or arguing with the umpire? You know, um, if, an, if a coach from, you know, maybe possibly a college school is watching a high school game, they know if it's a bad strike or not. They're not going to hold that against you for you getting rung up on a bad strike call. But what they will hold against you is how you respond to it, right? Your career doesn't end in high school, ultimately, if your goal is to get to the next level. So you should realize that that at one at-bat is not going to be the end of the world. But how you handle that at-bat can certainly infl- influence and impact your future, depending on who's watching. So again, it's very important that you know, even win or lose, you know, f- fail or succeed, that the body language is consistent, that the demeanor is positive, that you know, even if you're getting pulled off the bench and you and you make a big error in the outfield or a big mental mistake on the field and you get pulled for it, don't sit down and, and you know, sulk about it. Try and stay positive, stay up, you know. Um, if you're a pitcher who just got pulled, make sure you're picking up the guy who just got in and replaced you. He's trying to help you out. He's not trying to make you look bad. He's genuinely being thrown in, whether it be with the bases loaded, no out, and you've walked the yard, Right. This guy's trying to go in and trying to help the team and trying to fix a few mistakes that you made. He's not trying to go out there and embarrass you whatsoever. So I I just can't stand it when I, you know, I'll go out and pull a guy who may have just walked the bases loaded or a couple of hits off him or whatever the case may be. And he just goes in and throws his glove and sits there and sulks, right? I want to see that guy on the top step, hanging over the railing, cheering on the guy who's literally there trying to save our game. And I just don't think it happens enough these days. The emphasis is put on more of performance, you know, which don't get me wrong is important. But I think the emphasis is too much on performance. It's too much on, you know, um, executing, you know, getting the job done, which is important. But I also think the emphasis needs to be put on body language and character by the coaches, right? Having a meeting and talking about what they want to see from the people who are on the bench. What do they want to see when a mistake is made, right? I love it when I see an infielder make a mistake and then call time afterwards after the play has been done, walk up to the pitcher, and you could almost see or see the, the words come out of their mouth where they say, hey, get me another one, right? I won't make the same mistake twice. Get me another ground ball. I want another ground ball. Instead of hoping that the ball doesn't find them and it goes to somebody else and, you know, it's somebody else can make that play, right? The players who are going to get to that next level are the ones who want the ball even after they just made a mistake. Again, body language, I can't stress enough how important it's going to play a role for young kids getting on to the next level. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns regarding this, please leave a comment down below. Thanks.
2: Great stuff as always, and again, I'm enjoying my time getting to know these guys, and they do an awesome job. Um, That's precisionimpact.ca. Don't forget, uh, when you check out, type in Youth Baseball Talk, receive an additional 10%. Um, Again, we're happy to do that through our association, through them, and you know, you're spending quite a bit of money on this baseball stuff. 10% 10%, folks. Youth Baseball Talk in the discount coupon code area. Special thanks one more time to Dirk Dombrowski and my man Phil at precisionimpact.ca. Everyone knows how I feel about this next guy. I think he's the best in the business, EliteBaseball.tv. They do amazing things. Um, they're helping shape the kids of tomorrow in the way that they both train and learn about this wonderful game of baseball. I highly encourage you to check out EliteBaseball.tv it be the best $99 you guys ever spent. EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Take it away, fellas.
0: Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here with EliteBaseball.tv. And I get this question all the time from lesson people, uh, parents. Why should I be swinging a wooden bat? And I'm also going to go into bat fitting just a little bit. What size is appropriate for your son or daughter? And the benefits of swinging with wood, I think, in the off season, are extremely beneficial. The reason why, and we know this already, the sweet spot of a wooden bat is smaller. But also, a wooden bat barrel has to be delivered to the ball to see a favorable result. With the aluminum bats the way they are, and I know they've been scaled back a great deal over the last year, but still, all you have to do with an aluminum bat, or a metal bat, is get the barrel to the zone and to the ball to see a favorable result. You can have a long swing path that cuts off your front side, but if you barrel up the ball in a metal bat, it's going to go. With a wooden bat, that doesn't take place players have to learn barrel control, and they have to learn how to control the barrel with speed through the zone in a sequentially correct swing. See, the wooden bat will expose you. If you mishit the ball, you're gonna, you're gonna feel it, and you're gonna notice that the ball isn't gonna come off the bat the same way. So what I mean by this, and it kinda goes into bat fitting as well, which I'll talk about in just a moment, that a sequentially correct swing means the lower body is leading, The core and upper body turn next, and that makes the bat slot very tight to the body. So if you looked at me from a top view down, if I was filming from the ceiling camera down on top of home plate, you would see the turn radius of the player being very small. We want that hoop around the player to be as tight as possible, the bat to slot as tight as possible to the body, and therefore my turn speed is going to increase. When this happens, when the barrel is released into the baseball, it's going to do so with as much speed and tremendous force that we are allowing now the wooden bat to be delivered to the ball by the body. Now we're going to see the ball jump off that wooden bat almost the same way it would if we were using a metal one. However, with a metal bat, a player could be sequentially incorrect, have the upper body fire first, get the bat away from him in a very big turn radius even though this is slower, as long as that barrel still gets to the ball, you would see a favorable result. Now that ball may not go in the air, but it's still gonna come off the bat hard unless they just hit it off the end or off the handle. So what the wooden bat will do is give you some visual and feeling feedback of what has happened with the ball as it comes off the bat, and then we know if we're improving our swing or not. So I suggest, if you're worried about breaking some of these bats off live batting practice, usually what I have my students do is all their T work, and all their front toss we're doing off a wooden bat. Now, I've had one player, maybe two, in the history of me doing 20 years of lessons actually break a wooden bat off a front toss pitch coming 22 miles an hour. And then we know we got some work to do. But if, you, if you're worried about breaking the bats and investing that $100 and in, in, in having to go through several of them, once you go back to a live distance batting practice, we're gonna put the metal bat back in their hand. And that's also a pretty good feeling there of seeing, okay, where are we improving? Are we keeping the turn radius tight? Are we slotting the bat correctly? Is my lower body leading this swing? And they're gonna see the ball jumping off their metal bat even more than it did before. So that goes into bat fitting. So generally with players when they ask me, is this bat the right size for me? I always have to say, you have to swing it first. And I have to tell you by watching you swing because even really young players that maybe not be as big or strong, if they're sequentially correct, and their lower body is leading the swing and the bat slots tight to their body. The extra weight of a bigger barrel or bat will not necessarily be felt because as the arms stay tighter to the body, the barrel is released through the zone with some triple force and really the barrel is on autopilot at that point. So the player doesn't feel the extra weight of that barrel. And just the opposite, you could have a big strong kid that they're swinging from the top down swinging from their upper body first and the barrel gets away from them early and you increase the barrel just one ounce maybe one inch on the bat and they're going to feel it dramatically so the longer the swing path the more they're going to feel extra weight of the barrel because now that barrel is getting out away from them really swinging them and it comes back around off their front hip and they're definitely going to feel the extra weight the further the barrel gets away from them so it's not dependent on size or age it's dependent on your swing so a player with a shorter swing, you can use a heavier bat. Player with a longer swing, they're going to feel the extra weight of the bat. And I would suggest that you use a smaller one until they get their swing corrected. So there's a couple pieces about my feelings on using a wooden bat this off season, as well as what size or what type of bat is appropriate for you. Come check us out anytime at EliteBaseball.tv. Perfect time to come and see our off season strength plans, our off season swing plans, coming soon to you. It's free for 48 hours. Come check us out. Until next time, this is Justin Stone. I'll see you on the field.
2: Awesome, awesome stuff, guys. Uh, Again, proud to have every one of these contributors a part of my show. I believe in what they do, um, all the way down to, again, uh, you know, our our lead sponsor, theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to the little leaguers. I hope you check them out today. And again, um, you know, I enjoy these conversations that we have on the show. They're shaped by my. they're shaped by what I learned from you guys, especially on social media and our conversations that we have, whether it be through the social media sites or just out in person. Um, when I'm out and about, I encourage people to come up, say hi. Uh, I'm enjoying all of this as I hope you are as well. Um, youthbaseballtalk.com is where you can learn more about it. You can listen to back episodes, subscribe to the show, um, do your shopping at Amazon and help us out. Uh, at Podcast Baseball on Twitter, find us on Facebook, uh, on Facebook, type in Youth Baseball Talk. Find us on Instagram, Youth Baseball Talk. And again, we're happy to be a, a part of line at media.fm and, of course, Yo Radio. Download the app today. You're going to enjoy it. Trust me on that one. Special thanks to our contributors as well. And again, I look forward to our conversations next week. I'll see you on the field.
1: Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcast
0: baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm.